It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Total oh, psych out. out. Total psych Got out. Got you again. It's, it's two, Monday. Two weekends in a two weeks in a row, weekend recap, Flow Wrestling Radio Live and with the psych out. Psych out. Also yeah. psych out. Uh no no wrestling nomad. Uh wrestling nomad is en route back to Austin, Texas. He's being nomadic, coming back from Nebraska. He'll be in ATX very shortly. He will. Uh happy Brown Monday. It's not the official <laughs> Brown Monday, but it's after the Super Bowl. <laughs> Thanks. Yep. Brown Monday is the Monday after Thanksgiving when plumbers are at their busiest. Br- they, this uh, is a real thing. I did not just make this up, by the way. There was an Austin, Texas local news story about yes. Br- Brown Friday. Oh, Brown Friday after, after, the day after, after yeah. Thanksgiving. So this is Brown Monday. Brown, Brown Monday Friday is after leads Thanksgiving. into Toilet Bowl Tuesday, the day after <laughs> Super, Super Bowl, Bowl Sunday. Sunday. Exactly. So, you got um, it. Yeah. So we, you know. So welcome. Welcome in. And speaking of. Uh, Things that are uh, a little bit cu- are unpleasant for mm, people. Yes. Uh, the ranking situation right now at 133 pounds. Oh, has, about that ranking situation. It has the wrestling world up in arms. And so let me let me lay it out for the people. Um, obviously, biggest biggest dual meet of the season. Mm-hmm. I think probably one of the most entertaining dual meets of the last five years or so. Maybe it was the an most awesome duel. Went I mean, down it, Friday night. Very dramatic back and forth, a battle. Everybody ranked one or two, basically. It was fun. It was great, and of course, you're gonna we're gonna hear uh, a whole lot more of that on the Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday FRL. Yeah, I feel like I'm gonna be busy this week with this topic. Yeah, at 133 pounds. So let's let's focus in on the topic that is most pertinent to you, Andrew Spay, the ranker in yes. chief yes. here for the NCAA rankings at mm-hmm. Flow Wrestling, and you immediately after the result on Friday night at 133 <laughs> pounds started receiving feedback and. Uh, you know, you you laid down a definitive stance. So let me let me set the table, and then I'll let you explain your position. Great. All right. So Austin DeSanto, Roman Bravo Young, one of the most anticipated matchups in a duel full of highly anticipated matchups, mm-hmm. happened on Friday night, and these two wrestled twice last year. Yes. Austin DeSanto won both times. That's correct. The first match at Big Tens, DeSanto was very much in charge, um, and then RBY kind of found his way to some points late in the match. And then when they wrestled at the NCAA championships, DeSanto uh, and, and RBY, were, RBY were much closer. RBY um, had it you know, within a takedown. They ran off the mat, and RBY kind of ran DeSanto into a table, and then his, I think, head bounced off RBY's hip. It was People were upset, controversial, and RBY ended up getting takedown and near fall to kind of extend the lead, but it was a very close match. Mm-hmm. All right? Well, DeSanto got the DeSanto, DeSanto, near fall with the weird Merkel back yes, rest. Yes, 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 Shot yes. Shot him all upside down. Got the Merkel, takedown two, near fall, and so he, he ended up winning that match 7-1. to one. Um, So DeSanto was the favorite heading into Friday night. Mm-hmm. Pretty much right off the whistle, gets in on a shot. RBY is trying to kind of pull the leg in uh, to defend and – was ultimately looking for a cradle. Pulls the knee up, but not out. Well, it, was, to the side. it was a little up a little and out, a little out. A little bit up and out, uh, yeah. But 
I don't think it was it was malicious. I don't think RBY was no. was trying to injure DeSanto, but DeSanto cries out um, as as he's kind of in pain. RBY cradles him, puts him to his back, but no points in the position as uh, the ref stopped it for injury time. Mm-hmm. Penn State fans were were frustrated. I think initially probably didn't hear the 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 DeSanto uh, cries of pain. Um, they kind of you know yeah, we the, got- the injury clearly took place in the first ten seconds off a DeSanto shot and then RBY looking to counter. He was yeah. looking for cradle. He was pulling on the leg to try yep. to set the cradle up, and that's where the injury happened. So. Fast forward a little bit later in the first period, DeSanto continues to wrestle, but gets in basically the exact same position, um, goes to his back, again cries out, and then they injury or it becomes a they that stop point, again, and then DeSanto uh, can't continue. Is done wrestling. He's, he says, back. "I'm done," um, and so it ends up uh, ends up being uh, kind of a medical forfeit. Is the official terminology injury term- default? Injury medical default forfeit is when you is don't when you take, don't the, take mat. the mat. Injury default is when you take the mat, can't continue. Yeah, you won't see a medical forfeit in a duel because you just have a forfeit. It would just be a forfeit. Right, but if you are in a tournament scheduled to wrestle because you're bracket or whatever. So injury default. Injury default is you take the mat and then somebody else's hand get raised. Like you, you, know, you lose. You take that loss. Now. And it's not in quotes. It does happen. You get the loss. Now, uh, people immediately began saying – you know, injury default or not, RBY, RBY should move ahead. He was he was about to put DeSanto on his back, which would have, at the very least, given him a huge lead in the match and potentially mm-hmm. led to the fall. And so the wrestling community, a lot, parts of the wrestling community are saying, Andrew Spey, you have to rank RBY ahead of Austin DeSanto. It's it is your uh, it's it's your only option. Yes. And to which to which you laid down uh, in no uncertain terms a promise that you would block, mute, cancel <laughs> anyone yeah. who disagreed with your perspective. So thank you for setting the stage. Um, first, want to say all that uh, stage setting, most of it does not matter. It's not germane to how flow rankings are done, um, but it's good context to have. It's good context to have for when I made that tweet. It was me and Nomad. We were here in the office. It was uh, – you know, Friday night we were, mm-hmm. uh, you know, had some uh, some delicious Casey's pizza, or maybe not. I forget <laughs> exactly where it was from. Valero uh, could have been from Valero, um, and uh, you know, caught up in the moment and tweeted off something. I didn't have to say I'm going to mute everybody. I mean, that was a little immature of me and maybe uh, overly combative for Twitter. And that uh, I, I did want to say absolutely that the ranking uh, that that result was not going to factor into the rankings. Okay. Uh, but I did not have to say that is an insane notion because yeah. then looking back, I see yeah. why people want it to count. You want RBY to be rewarded. And yeah. Time scare quotes were appropriate. You want him to be rewarded uh, for uh, taking it to DeSanto and you don't want injury defaults to just count for nothing. Yeah. I understand that. And it will count for seedings, but because uh, of the way flow Wrestling rankings have been done since time immemorial. Uh, injury defaults are not counted because, and maybe this is a boring explanation for everybody, but you can only have things three ways, or one of three ways regarding injury defaults. You can count them all as wins and losses. Kay. So you take the mat, somebody gets their hand raised, that's a win. Kay. Another guy gets a loss, and they are factored into the in the rankings. They yeah. have, that you do that every time, no matter what. Mm-hmm. Or you could ignore those results from injury defaults and for DQs for stuff, and, and a lot of these weird results, we, we ignore those. Okay. You do that all the time. That's okay. our current method. Or you can pick and choose yep. when you want them to happen. Okay. Like, we're going to pay attention to this result this time, but not other times. So yeah. Yeah. the example I could bring it up, because people kept calling me a an Iowa homer, and, sure. I, and I get that because it yeah. gets put out to the – a lot of people are doing a lot of projecting. They A lot of people, I think, wanted to see DeSanto punished, or they thought that he was uh, – should have been uh, – you know, shouldn't have stopped that match. Yeah. Uh, he was just crying out. He was going to get uh, cradled. None of that matters, and I do not – was not thinking about that or any of the backstory or any of the previous matches. I was only thinking it's an injury default. We're going to not factor it in. We're going to basically throw it out. It's yeah. a no contest because otherwise we're either counting everything, which is bad because sometimes a guy is uh, a much better wrestler or uh, winning all the time, okay. and it totally screws up the results, or we're picking and choosing. Okay. And I am not going to be biased, and, and Flo's not going to be biased and inject all this subjectivity into something where we don't know how it's going to end. And the reason we don't know is because a uh, friend of – Flo Mason Beckman pointed out Rob Roan versus Josh Lambrick in the finals of the NCAAs in 2002. Okay. Rob Roan dinged up all tournament. He was the lower, uh, I 
forget what the seeds actually were. But anyway, he was losing. He was definitely going to lose. Could have injury defaulted out then. Yeah. Whatever. But then he hits a cement mixer with, like, less than 30 seconds to go and either gets a pin or whatever. It's a famous match. It's on YouTube. Sure. But we're not going to assume we know exactly what's going to happen. Yeah. You know, we could play the probability games, but then you could say – or, you know, people saying, RBY was wrestling better, you know it. I'm like, that, that's fine. A lot of times, the guy that wrestles better loses the match yeah. on points. Yeah. It's just, you know, he gets more takedowns, but the other guy has the riding time in the, you know, stall points or something mm-hmm. like that, or the bogus calls. We're not going to go litigate every single match. We're not going to go in every single time. So what you want us to do, uh, what people are, are demanding that uh, I do with regards to this is uh, be uh, inconsistent yeah. with Flo's rankings and make a special case just because they want to see – uh, RBY in this case rewarding rewarded for what they think is his superior you know one minute of the match also you know it's not like he got that far uh, it's very early even though it wouldn't matter if it happened later in the match or if the score was 8 to 1 or yeah. something, whatever like that and then the injury default we would still throw it out because there was you know nobody's talking about Tanner Sloan and Dakota Gear was an injury default yeah. between two ranked guys no, we're not going to factor that one in either. Nobody, it's just not a high profile. We're not going to change all of our methodologies for a high profile match. Certainly, I mean, part of the problem with this particular match uh, was the optics of RBY putting DeSanto on his back twice. Even though neither of those neither of those moves scored him points, they didn't score him near fall points. Um, you saw it happen. Like physically, you saw. You know, we yeah. saw it happen. I think that probably is is what's a little bit of a tough pill to swallow, especially, you know, for Penn State fans. Like, they they saw RBY take a pretty bad loss to DeSanto at Big Tens. They saw him get a little closer to NCAAs. And then they saw him put Austin DeSanto on his back twice. It's true. Which, like, I mean, just visually was mm-hmm. was, a, was a kind of a compelling argument for people. Is there... Um, is there, in your policy, no room for, uh, for, for flexibility? Like, you know... Right. I, you you can I mean you could you could tell based on the way that match was playing out that not that RBY would win but that he certainly had the momentum right that he yeah. that he you know was absolutely in control of that match and the the reason this is getting all that attention is because it's such a high profile I mean it's one of the most watched duels probably in history yeah. of the sport uh, so a lot of eyes on that and that's why I wanted to walk back that it's walk back my statement that it is insane to want this to count yeah it is insane from a flow rankings perspective yeah. or for anybody I think that's doing rankings because if you're going to make an exception here I don't see how you can then say stay consistent and explain all your rankings every time because yeah. your other other injury defaults and other um, you know bad ref calls or he got DQ'd on a bogus this or that they're going to bring those up too sure and uh, it, there's just no way and it's not feasible or advisable for you to want a ranker to go through and then make a judgment call on every, every single yeah. time and especially not something that happens in the first period. But again, it, if it happened later, that wouldn't matter either. Well, I think about two two matches involving Penn State guys. Mm-hmm. Um, one is this RBY DeSanto match, which we've which we've discussed. The other, going back a couple years, is the Jason Nolf uh, John, Van, uh, John Van Brill yeah. match, where where kind of actually I don't know, sort of sort of similar. It was a knee involved, a knee involved in a scramble, and Nolf is the one who goes down with an injury. Um, so if if you had, you described three scenarios. Scenario one, you don't factor in injury defaults. Um, scenario two, you do. You factor every, them all in. Every result counts. If they take the mat, the result counts. Um, so if we were in that scenario, then RBY gets credit for the win over to Santo. Nolf uh, gets Gets the loss, the and loss. John Van Brill moves way up. And look, it counted for seeding. Jason Nolf, yeah. you know, and then the medical, and then the Big Ten finish uh, when he medical forfeited out of there. That all got factored in to his NCAA to seating. his NCAA seating, but we're not changing the rankings because the injury defaulted to John Van Brill. Yeah, uh, John Van Brill, unfortunately, or unfortunately for him, did not get credit for that win. Yeah, and it, it goes back to um, uh, what I would call the Ranker's Oath, and a lot of people aren't familiar with the Ranker's Oath, but it's a very real thing. And I took this oath when I when I took on the responsibilities of being the NCAA ranker. Yeah, you know, and other thing. People are a little when or somewhere in the neighborhood. Well, of the, of it's the... been about three years. Uh, right after the Olympics, I started helping CP before it came on full time. Okay. And before that, it was just CP, and he right. had someone else helping him. But if right. anybody is confused about who did the rankings or when they uh, are no longer good or whatever, uh, it was 
CP, someone else, then me and CP, and then this is the first year where it's just me. Just you, right. Uh, but that's, those are the only people that have had their hands on the NCAA rankings. Got it. Some people are a little confused about that. Anyway, the rankers oath. I took this oath Kay. at some point between when I first started and <laughs> yeah, then recently. Yeah, at some point between, but it's between a, when you first started and today. It's a pretty simple explanation, and this is what you got to stick by, and this is what, if anybody has a question about the rankings, these are the most transparent and talked about rankings anywhere. I will, <laughs> yeah, like, yeah. I will take the Pepsi challenge with anyone that wants Kay. to compare them. But here's the oath. As the Rankers' oath goes, I will objectively order to the best of my abilities, without bias or prejudice, and never assume the results of an injury default. Okay. So it's all right there in the oath. All right. So, Tony Ramos. Man, you don't take the oath seriously either. Hmm. Well, I. I <laughs> okay. Okay. Uh, yeah, you're gonna you're I, not not give Rob Rogre. Oh, well, actually, Lambrick uh, won the NCAA title because he was beating him and all that. Okay, that's not what we do. We don't assume the results. Tony Ramos brought up a, brought up yeah. a, a, a switching gears. A good question. Switching mm-hmm. gears. Uh, this is a question that um, I don't know. I'm curious to know if you think that this is an inconsistency kind of across the board rankings policy. So uh, he he screenshotted our um, NCAA dual meet rankings. Right, which Kyle Brackey does. He's part of the Rankers Guild as Brad well. Key, he took the oath. Yep, Kyle Brackey. Uh, t- did he take the oath? Because this is his policy here on, on dual rankings. Mm, you see some inconsistency. Top 25 NCAA D1 dual meet rankings. Mm-hmm. Before getting mad online, Don't let me explain online. how we put this top 25 together. Results. There's a period after that. Mm-hmm. All results. Another period. Mm-hmm. If the duel happened, we counted the result. It doesn't matter who was or wasn't in the lineup. Yes. I could play the what-if game all day, but I'm not going to do it. Right. So, you outlined three scenarios. In your yeah. scenario, you don't factor in kind of injury defaults or or you know decisions that happen where yeah. there's some kind of match doesn't finish. Kyle Bradkey seems to to uh, be in favor of a second policy where right. it doesn't matter if it's a full strength lineup or a partial strength lineup. It doesn't right. matter if injury defaults happen or not in within the context of the dual meet. Mm-hmm. We're going to count the result. Yes. How do you feel about it? I think for dual meets, that's you know, this is the exact same philosophy that we're all in the same boat as far as. How are, uh, we're going to approach rankings because okay. he's saying whether it's full strength or not, that's fine. That's the same thing with the uh, results for individual matches. Whether a guy is full strength, whether he's banged up, he takes the mat, he finishes the match. That's going to count. An injury default would be the same as uh, a, a rainout or a snowout or a, a team can't make it there or something like that. And there's a thing where the entire team can't go because this is a dual meet with ten matches versus. A individual match. It seems that the the rainout would be a little bit uh, more parallel to like a not taking forfeit. the mat at all, right. a medical forfeit. But there is no. Um, I mean, I don't know. Maybe the te- the whole team gets disqualified after the coach uh, does something. So let's say we're, we're halfway through the match and one team is winning, like you know, uh, it's three matches to none. Yeah. And then uh, the the coach and the whole team gets kicked out for something or whatever. Yeah. And that counts as a loss or whatever. Sure. Uh, they could be that that would be the equivalent. I don't know what that would ever happen. Yeah. But that's the only thing that translates to an injury default. So it's not one to one. And the ful- the philosophy, which is why they're the same, is Kyle is saying, I am not going to assume, oh, this guy was out or that guy was out or whatever. Just like I'm not going to assume, oh, well, had that match played out, this is who would win or whatever. Because that's what people want. They want Jason Nolf to get the win over John Van Brill, and they want RBY to get the win over DeSanto. And I'm saying it's a no contest. So the no contest is why it's like a rain out or a a, a coach just leaves in the middle of the match or takes the team or something like that. So the – if, if it's a full result, if it's something that we can use as a win or a loss, then yes, it counts. Same with the duels. Sure. I mean, I think the big difference with a dual meet is that uh, we have a lot more probably data to support assumptions in a lot of cases. Um, so, you know, the idea that that if, if Iowa forfeits at 125 pounds instead of rolling out Spencer Lee – we can't, you know, we, we you know, we, we don't know for certain beyond a shadow of a doubt that Spencer Lee would uh, would have given up fewer than the six points that happened. But yeah. we have good data to suggest that would have likely been the case. But Kyle Bracky saying if, if Lee Spencer Lee wouldn't have taken the mat on on Friday night, Penn State gets the win. Brandon Meredith gets his hand raise. He's he's still going to factor that in, even though like we have mountains of data to suggest that you yes know. if something like that happens so yeah nobody is making assumptions it's all we're all in the same uh uh boat we're all we're all of like minds sure when it when it comes to doing that that's the um uh the other thing that people wanted was uh uh they wanted rby to get the win because you know uh 
we know what would have happened, or we know what what would have how this thing would have all played out. Yeah, and it's all like okay. Well, we also know what would have happened if there was a healthy this guy versus right. a healthy that guy. Or when they, yeah, and, oh, and, the other thing is is they thought they didn't want RBY to get punished or Austin DeSanto to get rewarded for taking the injury default. And oh, you know he was on his way to getting pinned. Blah blah blah. That's why the injury default is worth sixteen points. Right. That's the incentive. Right. There's right. no world where the flow ranking somehow uh, is in the in is in Austin DeSanto's mind that, yeah. oh, I'm going to quit. I'm going to give 16 points to Penn State in this duel that is to preserve my so important ranking, yeah. because then RBY might pass me on Flo's ranking. That's, that's not a world that exists. It's It never will happen that way. Yeah. Uh, as much as I like to think our well, rankings and, are important or and, matter, uh, ultimately they don't. And I know you're talking about kind of philosophically your stance on rankings, but situationally, like if you watch any match with, with Austin DeSanto in it, you cannot assume at any point in the match like that he is not capable of coming back from any deficit. So that's I and mean, it wouldn't matter it what the wrestler is because this is what right, I'm saying. Right, is now right, when right. you take it match right, by match, right. now now I have to be the arbiter every single time there's an injury default and decide but, who is going to come back. Well, he's likely to come back or he's not. You don't want that world where the ranker is using all that bias. But rankings aside, yes. Rankings aside. Now we're putting rankings aside. Pu- putting rankings Ooh, aside. I don't know if I could do that. They're kind of on my brain right now. <laughs> rankings aside, like. That that match could have gone any number of ways coming back. Right? I mean, even at 133 this year, we saw um, you know Sebastian Rivera with a with a big lead on Seth Gross, and Seth Gross hits the most improbable lat drop of all time. Yeah, to, it was pretty wild. You know, to come back and get so. Right, I mean, it's yeah, it's it's a bad idea to assume how these matches are going to turn out with 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 top ranked guys. You had a Smith um, mixer in the NCAA finals, and you can win. Right, and any time right. in a wrestling match, you can get the pin. Yeah. Okay. There, there's a match ending possibility. All right. Enough about that. I think you've explained yourself, and I, I, I I'm sure uh, that'll settle it, and no, no one nobody, will have any other contrary any other opinions contract. now that I've gotten that out of the way. It's. I mean, the, the important thing I think to keep in mind about this is it demonstrates some of the complexity involved in this sport, right? Like it, it shows. Yeah, it's not a cut and dry. It's we'll never not, have it a is not cut and dry, and that's what that's call. what makes this so interesting. And um, I'm I'm more interested in this match potential match at at Big Tens if it happens. Oh yeah, now because of the because of the, the hype line. for it. Yeah, I think it, it raised some really important questions, right? I mean, RBY seemed like in the wrestling action that we did see, mm-hmm. limited though it was, and and though it won't count in the rankings, that he has made some big time adjustments. He he put Austin DeSanto um, in a position off his shot that that yeah. was advantageous, and I. I want to see the match play all the way out. Well, I'd like to also point out for anybody that thinks I'm a, I'm a Iowa homer or whatever, I picked uh, RBY to beat Austin yeah. DeSanto in the whiteboard war. You can look it up. Yeah. I picked every match correct except for heavyweight where I picked uh, Seth Nevels over Cassiope. And uh, I may have been uh, trying to make the whiteboard war a little more interesting with that pick. But otherwise, I, but I'll own it either way. The duel was more interesting than the whiteboard war. Unbelievably, right? Yeah. Like, yeah, that, yeah, was, yeah. That, was, that was a great duel. So, uh I know we'll get so, into So, yeah, the... we're staying consistent is okay. the bottom line. Okay. This is how we've always done in the flow. We're not going to make exceptions. Sorry that you want it that way. All right. And I understand where you're coming from. All right. 20-plus minutes on that topic. It's time to move on. Go on. Uh, we'll more, I think. Man, so Iowa-Penn State was, like, the match of the weekend. Mm-hmm. And I'm sure uh, CP and Ben and Brad here are going to dive into that on FRL tomorrow and Wednesday and Thursday. But we had a few other – Incredible duels this weekend. Yeah, we did. Top of mind, yesterday afternoon, before the Super Bowl, we had a duel that I think was was just as exciting as the Super Bowl itself, and that was the Nebraska-Ohio State match. Yep. Um, two really incredible teams and lineups that, that stacked up well against each other and made for a lot of really great action. And they started the duel at 174, which – was was one of the premier matchups. I think uh, Labriola was ranked seventh, and Caleb Romero was ranked eighth, eighth, something like that. Um, they had it all scripted. They knew it was going to come down to Isaiah White at the end. Yeah. Ethan so Smith. So start and with Isaiah White duel. was going to get hurt. <laughs> yeah. Man, imagine if the injury defaulted there. He could, he he looked like he might. For I a thought second. he was going to. Then I was going to so, start this whole thing all over again. So I mean, that was an incredible duel. That that Nebraska Ohio State duel was great. It was in the Devaney Center in Nebraska, mm-hmm. packed crowd, uh, and and people were super vocal and really fired up. Yeah, uh, shouts to the uh, Nebraska fans for coming out on Super Bowl Sunday. Yeah, I think the first the first result that jumped off the page to me was at 184. Oh yeah, Friday on our on our Friday Friday edition of FRL. Um, Nomad and I talked about 184, particularly in the Big Ten, and how how 
just jumbled the results have been and how hard it is going to be to to see that weight class. Oh, it's going to be a mess at the Big Ten Championships. Shambolic, and, I would call it. <laughs> yeah, I, yeah, it's that, right. We you know we were we were going back on Twitter about that yesterday. That 184 seeds are in complete shambles. Mm-hmm. Five upsets at 184 in the Big Ten alone this weekend. Um, yeah. And we had we had of the ranked guys in the Big Ten. We had ninth ranked Taylor Venz taking on 24th ranked Rocky Jordan, mm-hmm. and Rocky Jordan's had good results as of late. Taylor Venz um, was in the lead against against Cam Caffey last weekend, and then yep. dropped about in the uh, third, late in the third. And but but these two met yesterday in the duel, and Rocky Jordan takes a three two win over Taylor Venz. Um, he is Rocky Jordan's coming on, man. Yeah, I think um, you have two guys. One is going up in weight, and one maybe outgrowing his weight. But there's really nowhere for him to go right now with with Schultz at 197 mm-hmm. and Vens. And that's all speculation. I have no idea. Maybe maybe weight is absolutely not the problem there. Yeah. But uh, the way that Vens is having trouble closing out matches leads me to think it's something like that. Or sure. maybe there's another issue. Or maybe he's just um, just not just doesn't have it right yeah. now in the third for whatever reason. Uh, but, yeah, I, I love to see guys bump up like Rocky Jordan is not making 174 anymore. He's up a weight class, and it looks like he's firing on all cylinders. That, so that was, and, yeah. Yeah, and, and uh, we even joked about it when it was happening. It's like, yes, it would only be it would be only fitting at 184 right now if mm-hmm. Rocky Jordan beat Taylor Venz to just make a bigger mess out, mess out of things because it's starting to be where it's Zahid and next topic. Yeah. We're getting those tweets now because – Hunter Bolin is two. Trent Hidley is three. You know, Aaron Brooks just came off a red shirt. He beat Trent Hidley in Fargo finals. Hunter Bolin is certainly not, like, you know, rock solid at number two. He's vulnerable, yeah. I believe. Yeah. Um, has not been, you know, a world beater. He's not an All-American yet. Yeah. So from literally 25 on to two, is, is all possible. This, this dual meet was, you know, between a couple teams that are very much vying for top four trophies at the NCAA championships this, this year – and that team race, for the, or that third, fourth trophy race, has been, I think, almost as interesting, maybe maybe more interesting than the number one, number two race between Iowa and Penn State and all the drama that's surrounded that. Yeah. And for Ohio State to now get pro- productivity out of Rocky Jordan, where he's beating an All-American, where he is m- moving from that national qualifier, maybe win a match yeah. realm, to is he round of 12? Can he sneak on the stand? That's a huge thing for them. Well, that Ohio State team, um, because of guys like Rocky Jordan, gets more interesting because, I mean, yes, they lost this duel, um, and they have some lineup things that are still figuring out. Um, it, it's interesting to see Quinn Kinner, who made 133 yeah. like a couple months ago yeah. now, but 157, and yeah. not he grew into that easy. I mean, he was cutting a ton to get down there, you can tell. Mm-hmm. But you got Luke Pletcher, who is – Probably slight favorite over mm-hmm. Nickley. I thought he looked amazing against Chad Red. Yep. Uh, I I don't know how you work on quickness or like improve it, but Fletcher looks as quick as anybody in, like like he's anticipating moves better or he, I don't know, but his counters are insane. His counters are insane and his his efficiency and shot selection are insane. And a lot of times you hear so- shot selection, you think about a guy who shoots once a match. Right. You're like, oh yeah, he's he's got great shot selection because he wins every match by one takedown, but he only needs one shot to do it. Mm-hmm. Pletcher is majoring guys three or four takedowns on four or five shots. Like he, yeah. he does not waste an attempt. Luke Pletcher, you don't see Luke Pletcher very often this year, yeah. stretched out on a single leg, all extended, carrying the guy's weight. Like right. his his takedown to finish is it's like otherworldly this it's year. It's like he's gonna have like fresh legs going into NCAs too. And yeah. not riding out uh, off Nick Lee, I think that's gonna be an awesome uh, battle. But dude. I, you know, you get the the quality of competition Luke Pletcher's had has been far superior to Nick Lee's. They've both looked amazing. Yeah. But you have to. The reason people are talking about Pletcher is because of the the number of All Americans that he's well, both saw through. I'll tell you what. Askren did an interview with with Nick Lee, or excuse me, with Luke Pletcher um, a, a week or two ago, and he asked him, you know, is there anybody that you're looking forward to wrestling? And I think this might be. Might have been before he wrestled Murin or maybe right after, mm-hmm. uh, but he obviously had the Chad Red, Red match coming up. He had some other good matches coming up, and he he talked about Nick Lee. Like I want to I want to wrestle Nick Lee. I yeah. think those guys are super aware of each other. So you saw in that big Penn State Nebraska duel, uh, Nick Lee really widened the gap against Chad Red, gets the major decision, and and it felt like Pletcher. I, like was making it a point that he was going to get a major decision again on Chad Red, yeah. um, just to, to kind of match those results from Nick Lee. It just feels like, you know, Chad Red uh, or, or Pletcher gets the major over Murin. 
Um, so, or, or excuse me, over uh, he didn't wrestle Murin, did he? Did he wrestle Happel? Did Happel step in in that bout? And so then Nick Lee goes out, gets a tech fall. Like it, ju- it just feels like those guys are already competing one, yeah, with one Happel. another for decision. they both. They both have wrestled Happel. So yeah, like you know, Pletcher, didn't get the major decision against All American Mitch McKee, but he beat him twelve to six. I mean, that's yeah. basically like all takedowns to nothing. So that uh, Tristan that, Moran. That's well, one of the Martin, that's he, one of the most exciting upcoming matches I think of the season is that that Nick Lee, Luke Pletcher, match. I, yeah. those guys both look outstanding. Well, and so you got so that going back to that uh, Buckeye team and you know their prospects for March. So yeah, you dropped this dual meet here. That was uh, that was a tough one, but you know kudos to Nebraska for going out there and, and getting it done and winning yeah. a lot of those tough matches. But Luke Pletcher, uh, right up there as you know, maybe a 50-50 shot for the title. You got Colin Moore, which right now looks like a heavy favorite at mm-hmm. 97. You got Sasso, which is capable. Uh, he's going to be, spoiler alert, probably number one mm-hmm. uh, n- uh, come tomorrow when yeah. the rankings come out. So you got three guys going to be ranked number one. They could theoretically have three champs. Well, probably more likely they'll end up with like two. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you get a guy like Rocky Jordan or whatever uh, uh, – coming an All-American or however else they can sneak guys on a Caleb Romero, well, even though he dropped that match to Labriola, it looks like an All-American. So three guys in the top three plus a couple more All-Americans. I mean, that's – for so, them, if they end up with a third-place trophy with that, I mean, these Ohio State teams, people are maybe not writing them off or looking past them, but they're not getting a lot of attention. This is still a dang – a really good team. As we move towards the postseason, I'm, I'm really interested to – do a little bit more in-depth analysis of this third, fourth team race, but just on the surface, the first half of the season, looking at the the team points for whichever teams were ranked third and fourth, mm-hmm. it looked like 50 to 55 points was going to get you a trophy at NCAAs this year. Yeah, And at this point in the season, it's starting to creep up into the 65-70 range because Nebraska's guys are developing and Ohio State's guys are developing and like just... Arizona Look, State's going to score about, a lot of points. Arizona State's going to score a lot of points. Think about Ohio State's development from our perception of these guys at the beginning of the year till now. Caleb Romero, round of 12, right? Round of 16, round of 12 is probably what we thought. Rocky Jordan, not in the lineup. Or, you know, maybe maybe it cracks the lineup at, at 74 and knocks Caleb Romero out of a spot. We didn't think of him as a 184-pounder beating All-Americans. Colin Moore, we knew he was going to be good. Traub was – Traub was not even a thought in anybody's mind. Nobody, yeah. I, I, I don't. I still don't think he's a serious point scorer. Um, uh, but you know, Jordan Decatur was was not a guy that that you know was was in the lineup, and he's come in as a yeah, true was, freshman. Had Wynn some, Kinner was some in good there, results. Right? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> at the beginning before Decatur. Sasso, people thought he could he could be good. He could contend for a title, but then he had some losses. Now he's worked his way back into that kind of that conversation. And then Ethan Smith was a guy I think a lot like Caleb Romero yeah. mm-hmm. that. Like, yeah, maybe maybe he has. You think a solid good solid guys? Those are tough outs, but but uh, now both the, Romero and Smith especially like they look like mm-hmm. they could definitely get on the stand. And that that Ethan Smith uh, finish finish that that brings us to one sixty five, which that, that was the biggest story of the duel. What a, like what an insane finish! Yeah, uh, Isaiah White credit to him for for toughing that out. Um, we I mm-hmm. think everybody saw him on the ground. It was like you know that could be it, but uh, Nomad got a nice little interview with. Um, Coach Manning afterwards said, hey, it's not broken. Get back out there with the duels on the line. And he went out there and did it. I I was a little confused. I guess I didn't have the sound on when I was watching, but I thought he was up by one. I thought um, Ethan Smith did not. I didn't realize they were heading into sudden victory. Yeah, riding riding time. time. Yeah. So I was like, what is he shooting for? Mm -hmm. And I was uh, I learned this morning that, oh, no, he was trying to avoid sudden victory. Yeah. Or overtime. Um, So uh, uh, but, you know, again, can't be enough said about Isaiah White and, and the grittiness and determination. The the Nebraska bench has been has been really unified this year. Um, I, I've never like paid attention to whether or not they were a unified team in the past, but that really st- stuck out to me at CKLV. Mm. They especially Kevon Davenport is, yeah. is is in redshirt right now for the Huskers, but he is like. Well, one, I got to see him drill a little bit the night before CKLV, and he looks like he's going to be super good. Mm-hmm. Um, and we've all known that, right? But, um, but he he is like the ultimate hype man for this team. <laughs> like that guy is like the the guys rally behind him at CKLV. He was in the corner firing people up, and again, like every duel they're in, like you you find him on the camera, yeah. and he's the he's the guy leading the charge. And and it was the same thing. Isaiah White gets this gets the cradle, gets the fall. Oh, he was for the walk off, man. The whole the whole bench walk off cradle pin. 
That's amazing, right? Uh, so that that's super cool. So I would go. I would encourage our our uh, listeners watch that whole duel. It's mm-hmm. a great duel. Yeah, rewatch um, that. Yeah, Nebraska. Like the you know you you think of the university, you think of the state, and you're like, all right, a bunch of state you know farming mm-hmm. community, very stoic. No, this is a loud team. This is a this is a team that gets after it. The athletes, the coaches, everybody. It's, yeah. yeah, it's great. Labriola is uh, low key likes to likes to uh, you know juice things up and. When he wrestles. Oh yeah, when he wrestles or when he's when he's supporting his teammates. I yeah, love it. I love yeah. it. I mean, he's he's there for it too. Yeah, uh, lost a couple of team points in that duel. I'm sure uh, Nomad's gonna have a take on that. That's a, yeah. that's an annoying rule. Who likes? Nobody can like that, right? No, you lose points for these celebration things. Well, especially, especially after the final match of the duel. Yeah, it's over. It's over, and. The teams are literally going to walk on the mat like right. two seconds from now. Control like, of mat. They are going to they are going to walk on the mat across the mat and shake hands with each other, and and you're saying because they're on the mat a little bit too soon, I, it's it's ridiculous. Yeah, but I get why refs call it because it's in the rule. They book. have to. It's in the yeah, rules. Yeah, there's no there's no room for interpretation, and yeah. I I don't know what the the answer is. I don't know. Have have some leeway, like have it have to have like malicious intent or something like that yeah. i don't know yeah like it has to be like a taunting thing it can't just be like yeah i chuck a headgear on the ground yeah because yeah. uh, i mean that wrestling's an emotional sport mm-hmm. you want that emotion in there it's good for everybody yeah you don't want to be like all right now when you win like if you get pumped up just yeah. learn how to control it I, don't know. I mean you do that's part of it i don't know where i'm going let's let's move on so one other one other uh just kind of result to to Segway here. Uh, so mentioned Sammy Sasso earlier is having a good year. He had a major decision over Colin Purrington and 149. Uh, mm. You mentioned looking like he is going to be the new number one. And 149 was a weight class that at the beginning of the year we thought would be pretty chaotic. There wasn't. I mean, so um, Austin, Austin O'Connor, O'Connor was, was number one highest, highest returning re- placer. Got it. Suffered an injury, broken arm, and and so then. Uh, came back he, he looked actually really really solid on it immediately upon his return he had like eight bonus point victories in a row yeah he was uh i mean they what was the ohio um intercollegiate openers it was a lower level tournament that he got reintroduced back into the, sure. the mix and then midlands was really when he got some stuff some mm-hmm. tough competition yeah, I think he opened. I think Midlands with a with a major decision win, and then he faced three Hawkeyes in a row. Ended That's up, right. yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Ended up ended up dropping a match to Pat Lugo, and that propelled Lugo into number one. Sasso beat Lugo, uh, which moved Bulu Allen to number one. But Bulu Allen took a loss to Brock Mahler this weekend. That's right. Uh, and the question then is, okay, so is Brock Mahler going to be number one? By the way, that match was great. I did not see it. Bulu Allen winning three to one. Late in the third period, Mahler oh. gets a takedown to force overtime and then gets an overtime takedown uh, to, to, to win. Yeah, those and are good, the fun comeback ones. So most of Mahler's results would put him in the conversation to be number one, other than he had a loss to Wyoming's Jaron Jensen. Correct. Unranked. Um, so more likely than not, that is that is going to mean that the number one wrestler in the country is going to be Sammy Sasso, who yes. will be the fourth number one at 149 this year, yeah. and the third in three weeks. Wild weight class. Uh, this is going to be a tough one, and there's going to be it's going to be one of those like no right answers. And you know, I'm going to argue what we end up with is how it should be ranked, but it, there's there's just no simple way. There's yeah. no like easy formula to apply. Uh, everybody has a loss uh, uh, from that group. Um, Jerron Jensen is probably the well, it is the uh, lead or the the worst loss sure. if you want to put it there. No offense to, to Jensen. Um, and then you go by quality wins and more recency and and how that all works out. So uh, I don't want to give it away just yet, but um, you know uh, it's going to be interesting because Mahler is going to beat the number one, but then that brings Llewellyn down. Yeah. So that affects how his best win. Yeah. So Mahler no longer has the win over the one guy. He has the win over a guy that's either third or fourth or whatever. Yeah. Um, so then does that mean Mahler can't move up? Maybe. What I'm saying is Mahler will not be number one. Okay. But we'll have a new a new number one. That'll and be the fourth. probably be Sasso, yeah. Probably going to be Sasso. It'll be the, the fourth number one of the year. So crazy weight class. Um, I think we should jump into a few of these a few of these upsets. Yeah, why not? We had a uh, bunch of Maybe. upsets again this weekend. and. Probably the ones we'll focus on yeah. are, are the top ten. All those upsets. Do you think the rankers know what they're talking about? I mean, are they even upsets? <laughs> yeah, we should have known. We should have known all <laughs> along. Um, so 
we've, we've talked about 184 a little bit. We've alluded to all the upsets that happened. Mm-hmm. Cam Caffey continues to just be on an upset upset streak. Yeah, Pierre in the wrestling community tried to peer pressure me into ranking Caffey in the top 10. Mm-hmm. And all I had to say was, do not succumb. That's part of the, the second verse of the Ranker's Oath. Is, is if someone pressures you, just don't do whatever they're saying. No <laughs> do matter, the opposite. No matter if they're right <laughs> or not. Teach them a lesson. <laughs> yeah. No, it was um, – Eric Olenowski is a, a Michigan State guy. Sure, and he sure. Is, he's looking out for his guys, and I totally get it. And, yeah. you know, that's what coaches do. That's what fans do, and that's that's not – Also what Eric does. Yes, and not unexpected and not at all unwelcome. Please yeah. give me the feedback of what you want to do. Cam is definitely going to move up. Um, I was – where he moves is, is still a mystery because uh, – I think the nerdy term is it's a stochastic environment. So yeah. everything is changing. Everything is wins and losses do not happen all according to formula. Yeah. Um, so Cam's got some losses on this year. He's, yeah. If you were just going by the last month or so, then, yeah, he's right up in there in the top ten, no question. But, you know, how I much mean, are if, we factoring yeah. these losses? If you were going by his his three most recent results, right, those are those are wins over number eight, Abisad, number nine, uh, Taylor Venz and number 13, Zach Bronigal. Um, but And he's got Owen Webster uh, the week before that. Mm-hmm. Uh, but then he lost to Billy Janzer from right. Rutgers. Right. Uh, so that was within, you know, that was in the last month or so. Uh, Janzer also been on a hot streak. Yes. He just beat Jaylani Embry of Michigan, who has a win over Cam Caffey. So, it's, rank, Ranker's delight. It's it's a total mess. Uh, a couple of other upsets of note. Um, Aaron Brooks, Abasad upset was was a ten over an eight, so minor upset numerically. But right, um, that's one of those. Do you call it an upset, or is yeah. it just going to move these rankings around a little bit? Sure. Then you have you know, Venz took the loss. Venz beat Brooks. Uh, Brooks beat Assad. Yeah. Assad beat Venz. Yeah. So I think heading into Sunday, it Nomad posed a question on Twitter: How do you seed? 184 in the Big Ten, and I think the top three, at least at that point, were, were fairly clear, right? The top, top three were Assad, Brooks, and Venz in some order, mm-hmm. and because those three had all beaten uh, one another, there you would have to, I think, look at who has the, the worst loss, and that would be Venz. That would move him to the three, which the guy with the win over Venz is Assad. The guy with the win over Assad is Brooks, so it seemed, seemed like it would be Brooks followed by Assad followed by Venz, but then Assad and Venz now share a loss to Cam Caffey, yeah. which which feels like he's probably going to move into a top four. Right. And if and if you do that, now you have this this round robin where guys are all knocking each other off. So it's going to be really interesting how they see that. And um, I always got more wrestling. Is a guy like Johnny Sebastian or or um, or Zach Bronigal, one of these other guys, are they under the radar? Are they going to go undefeated? They control their own des- uh, destiny, and then you look back at their uh, track record and the, you see they also have losses yeah to johnny, Se- more circular johnny sebastian results. has the owen webster loss and he exactly. doesn't have that many good wins so it's going to be it's going to be a total mess 184 especially 184 in the big 10 is is crazy um have fun seeing that so one upset that i was pretty interested in is the only the only upset that we have uh, at least currently on the list at 197 mm-hmm. cordell Northfleet Northfleet of arizona yeah, state that was the only upset People have and been excited. People have been excited about this guy for years. Mm-hmm. You can see um, his potential to score on big guys and sometimes on top ranked guys. And sometimes it's been, you know, can he close out the match and get the win? And he knocks off Nathan Traxler six to four. Mm-hmm. Nathan Traxler of Stanford, number six in the country, um, biggest win in his career so far. Cordell Norfleet. And uh, yeah, you have to big. think so. Um, he's had some decent wins in the past. Uh, nothing at this level. Um, and nothing consistently. He's been in and out of the lineup, that kind of thing. I don't know if injuries, how much they played into it. But this year he's also beaten uh, Greg Balsick of Clarion, who's a tough guy. I think yeah. his only loss is Colin Moore. Um, and then you add Traxler to that with a bunch of other solid, you mm-hmm. know, probably natural qualifying level guys. And how far does he jump? Ah, that's, you know, 97, even though there wasn't a lot of upsets. That right there is tough because there's so much – fragility amongst that you know you got no adams is pretty much secured you know he's not going to fall too much pat brucky's got track record warner but then it really starts to get dicey we don't know if we're going to see christian bruner again i hope we do i hope so too jay yellow is a little uh inconsistent i think is the word ethan laird same deal there dakota gear sometimes look like looks like he's a surefire all-american other Mm -hmm. times doesn't look so great out there. Eric Schultz kind of in there. I mean, Darmstadt's – okay, we could yeah. read the entire list. So but. before this weekend, Arizona State was ranked sixth in the country, 
uh, projected to score 49 and a half team points. You got to think because he, you know, factor him in for a couple bonus. Just a couple. Just a couple. I think it's fair. Uh, but but like as, fair. as they're sitting in the rankings, they're going to need 11, 12 points to jump into a trophy spot as Wisconsin's projected to score 60. So, mm-hmm. you know, Cordell Norfleet currently probably projected to score like half a point. And if he can can demonstrate that he is a, a you know, a number, a top six, seven, eight guy, yes. that's a handful more points that gets he him a little bit closer. Arizona State's answer to Ohio State's Rocky Jordan. Yeah, that's right. And as the analog for this week. So the problem, though, if you're an Arizona State fan. Mm, it wasn't all sunshine and roses and daisies for them this week. Yeah, so at 165, Shane Griffith, who was ranked seventh, took out Josh Shields, ranked number five. And Josh Shields, just a super solid guy at 165. You can count on him usually to beat everybody that he's ranked ahead of. He's a reliable guy. And he's, you know, I think a couple-time All-American um, for sure once, I believe twice. Yes. Uh, and and uh, Shane Griffith is another guy that ever since his Southern Scuffle finals appearance last year um, with, a, with a close loss, I don't know if he was in the finals, he actually I think lost in the semis to um, Vincenzo Joseph and, and took third. But ever since his Southern Scuffle last year, he appeared to be – a guy that was going to make big noise in his in his redshirt freshman year, and this is this is his biggest the biggest win of his career. This is the biggest noise he's made yet. This is the biggest. He'll noise. Uh, uh, Shields will have a shot at revenge at Pac-12, but um, good for the Pac-12. Those two big matchups, Norfleet and Traxler, mm-hmm. and then Griffith and Shields delivered in that dual meet out west. So it's always good to see, um, you know the proliferation of quality dual meets and, and matchups. So that makes 165 super interesting because um, you have your, your your top four of Big Ten guys, uh, Chenzo and Marinelli. Mm-hmm. Uh, Chenzo can obviously win out and get the number one seed. Evan Wick uh, has a loss to McFadden. Uh, Isaiah White has a loss to Evan Wick. And David McFadden, the non-Big Ten guy, has a loss to Kennedy Monday. Yeah. And uh, Shane Griffith has not seen any of those Big Ten guys. The only Big Ten win he has is Ethan Smith. Yeah. But he has wrestled guys like Monday that have beaten McFadden, who beat uh, White, who beat Wick. Now. So there is a case to be for Shane Griffith to move up to number three. Will it happen? I'm going to I'm gonna have to suss it out a little bit more. We'll have to see. A little more. A little more. Uh... Read through the oath a couple more times, As then circle back to 165. Every before I go to bed at night and when I wake up, I say your, the ranker's oath. Yeah, and then let your conscience be your guide. So, <laughs> so, but for Stanford, that's a team that's sitting at 21st in the rankings, and down there when you get past 10, every team point that you can that you can score can mean you know can mean another another place higher and uh stanford you know kind of out on the outside looking in for a, for a top 10 spot um i think that's a little bit unre- unlikely not unreasonable but unlikely for them at this point but but for every for every guy they have that overperforms they're gonna you're gonna see them kind of climb the climb the team standings um now that you know i mean if if shane griffith does move from from seven to three that's big points and real woods is a guy that's not going to have an opportunity to move very much higher in the rankings he's sitting at 10th uh just because he won't face the kind of guys that he'll need to face to to jump up but you have to imagine that he is certainly capable so stanford on a a team to be on the lookout um they may they may you know perform above their their ranking right now yeah for their wrestlers i mean it, sometimes it's not really uh much you can do schedule wise when when you set it uh you know as stanford did they went to uh the scuffle right they went to reno mm-hmm. and the scuffle uh they schedule all their pac-12 teams which is not as strong as it has been in the past yeah um and then they you know they look for other matches when they could they wrestled north carolina they wrestled ohio state so they're Trying to get yeah. a good schedule. It's just sometimes, you know, when you have those duels, you don't get the matchups that right. some guys need. Some guys are injured. They don't wrestle every time. Um, so it's it's not the fault of the wrestlers. It's not even the fault yeah. of the Stanford coaches who are set the schedule. Sometimes guys just don't see as many ranked guys, and they don't have as many opportunities to move up. And when you have a young team, and you have guys like Real Woods and Shane Griffith. Yeah. It's, it's tougher for them to get those wins to move up. So they kind of have to rely on other guys in their weight class, either stumbling or something like that. I would love to talk to um, – to you know, Coach Borelli or really anybody about at, at some of these programs that are kind of in that ten to twenty range about how you think about 
setting your schedule, right? Because when you, when you set a schedule, a lot of times it involves not just the schedule for that year, but there's like a home and away agreement for maybe the next handful of years. And so, yeah, like, you're, you're locked in a little bit. So you want Ohio state on your, on your schedule because you know, over the next five years, Ohio state is more often than not going to be, you know, a trophy contending, if not a title contending team, you want them on there. You know, that North Carolina is making the kind of moves that, that, is going to continue to push them kind of into the top 10 or maybe into trophy contention soon. And so you want a team like that on your schedule. And, you know, I mean, it's, I don't know, it's got to be a lot of factors that go in really interesting. Yeah. And stuff out of your control. I mean, if a team has a down year or like I said, they have injuries or something, then even if you have one of the, if you yeah. go through these great lengths that we're going to wrestle the tough, the best schedule we can and all that stuff, you set it up and then you still don't get the matchups that you were looking for. It happens. Rapid fire. A couple more upset, a few more upsets in the top 10, um, 125, Illinois' Justin Cardani knocked off Michael Diagostino of Northwestern. He now has a couple uh, – he's been beat a couple times in the last couple weeks. Yeah, Cardani uh, looking pretty good recently, has a, has a bunch of decent wins. Trey Meredith, Keeley, Heinzel, yeah. yeah. Yeah, good results. Trey Keeley of Brown knocks off Michael Kolioko of Penn. Yeah. He's ranked 10th. Interesting battles in the Ivy League recently. Uh, Penn wrestled Brown and Harvard extremely tough. Penn definitely um, you know, changing their trajectory – uh, trying to get on the upswing again, bringing back Coach Roger Reina. Uh, but kudos to Harvard and Brown, who are not having as good, you know, we're, people didn't have them on the radar as much, but for giving them such tough matches. And one went into criteria, and the other win for Penn was only by a couple points. Yeah, the New England RTC uh, brought in Mike Ironman. Mm -hmm. um, point. You know, and he's he's getting his hands on those guys now. Uh, I I also think we talked, we talked with Mike a little bit at uh, Senior Nationals, mm -hmm. and – it seems like he is is not only a good presence to have in the room for his ability to work with the guys, but the way that he factors into that other to the other guy the other coaches there um, seems like they're they're working together well. They're gelling and they're kind of getting more out of each other as a staff, which is cool. I mean, I know he's not on staff at those universities, but mm -hmm. it makes a big difference. So yeah, yeah shout out to those guys, uh, Louis Hayes. Who, who's always dangerous, um, sometimes somewhat inconsistent. He took out Colin Girardi, who was ranked 12th in that Virginia-Virginia Tech duel. Um, so that was the, the yeah. top upset at 133. Louis Hayes is a super tough guy. Takes a loss to um, uh, Jarrett or Garrett? It's Garrett. Garrett, no. Garrett Pepple. Trombley. Who am I? The, I don't know. Here it is, Jarrett. It was Jarrett. I was right the first time. Jarrett Trombley of NC State. ACC rival, and then goes out and takes out Girardi. So ACC with some fun guys at 133. I had to get my notes out. So we'll get uh, we'll have the full rundown of all these all these upsets this week in, a, in an upsets article this afternoon. Yeah, cranking Co it out as we speak. Cranking it out. But uh, the the other obvious top ten upset that we haven't mentioned was was at 174. Mm. Uh, Michael Kemmerer and Mark Hall wrestled one. Uh, man, one of the best matches I've seen. It was epic. All I mean, year. yeah. Kem Dog put the entire team on his back in sold out Carver Hawkeye in that environment. Uh, can't wait to see. I'm not sure BTN has been nice about uh, the network, about putting some, some uh, ratings numbers out there, some viewership numbers. Uh, it was really cool to see lots of duels in the hundreds of that, you know, over a hundred thousand so yeah. far this year, a handful anyway. Uh, me and Nomad have a bet. Took the over under, I said over 280,000. He said viewership under. on Friday. Yeah. I don't know if we'll ever get to find out. Be great to find out, but that that match in particular, Kemmerer Hall, unbelievable. We're gonna have a new number one at 174. Yeah, it's gonna be Kem Dog. Uh, Cutler is undefeated, uh, but will probably uh, go to three. Okay. Uh, Mark Hall, Hall gets the him. benefit of the doubt um, for his accolades and for having the recent win over Cutler and Cutler not having uh, put hands on Kemmerer Hall this year. Sure. So that, that'll be interesting. Um, those are the biggest results of the weekend. Any other results or topics we need to cover here on uh, our weekend recap? I think we pretty much covered it. Uh, there'll be rankings coming out tomorrow morning <laughs> and or maybe later tonight uh, as soon as I get them done. Uh, as soon as you can get them done and you can get uh, them sealed with the oath. Right. Well, I have to have the uh, the Rankers Guild has to approve them, and we send them to the headquarters. And if the Rankers Guild is unavailable, will you will you settle for a notary public? If there's one available at short notice, then yeah, we have to make do with one. Okay. Well, the UPS store usually has uh, notaries uh, on standby, so if 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 worse comes to worst, head over to the UPS store. I think that <laughs> it's always good. Yeah. Or, or this episode FedEx. brought to you by the UPS store. Yeah. Hey, uh, Hodge rankings came out. Nomad just released them. 
Hodge so, rankings came out. Uh, man, uh, I don't know if you it, so. You know, Penn State's going to have more guys on there. Nick Lee making himself part of the the conversation, but I think it's it's a Zahid Spencer race at the moment. Yeah, and I mean, a couple guys pulled themselves out of the right now pulled themselves out, but Mark Hall took the loss, so he's out of the Hodge rankings. Um, Alex Marinelli took the loss, so he's out of the Hodge rankings. So list got you know yeah. a little bit shorter, unless a whole bunch of other guys take upsets. Um, you know, Seth Gross is way up there. To start the year right. as a prediction, but an early loss to DeSanto changed all that. So, uh, But it's basically Zahid and Spencer. Let's say they win out. They're two of the biggest favorites. Spencer mm-hmm. probably the biggest favorite at this mm-hmm. point at yeah. 125 um, of any of the weight classes. If Spencer bonuses all his way through, but Zahid beats um, you know, more former All-Americans or what is perceived to be a tougher weight class and still bonuses most of his way through, is there a conversation or do you have to give it to Spencer? I think it's going to depend a lot on the interpretation of the rules committee. I heard Ben talk about this on FRL last week, but he and he has a vote, right? He's he won the Hodge two times. Yeah, they let, yeah. And two, two. Once you win it twice, they give you a vote, right? So yeah, and so he, in his mind, he said the rankings criteria that that favors pens, in his mind, is is kind of folded in with the rankings criteria that that uh, is below the pen criteria about bonus point wins. Um, he said that for him, he looks at like kind of overall dominance. Right, that, which is interesting considering he went out of his way to his get, senior year to just pin as many people as possible. Yeah. But I guess he was looking for the record more than an, another Hodge at that point. Yeah. Um, but – you know, so I think that this is going to be one of the one of the real like true Hodge races where it, you know you might see a very close vote. Um, I mean, I noticed I I noticed Sahid Valencia picked up another fall this weekend. I noticed that tech. he uh, I, be, I believe he picked up was it a tech this weekend? I, well, if he took picked up a tech, then I uh, noticed incorrectly. Um, um, yeah, I don't know. I don't, regardless, like I, I you know there. you know these guys they're they're uh, continuing to put. Put uh, put together really impressive results. What happened here? It was a tech fall, nineteen to four over. I incorrectly believed that he put uh, put together a fall. How um, could you? So wow, you call yourself a journalist? Really telling here, Bray. But uh, so I don't know. I mean, to answer your question, I I think it's it's going to come down to interpretation. Which well, I'll tell you what I would do if I had a vote. First thing you would do is neither, make sure that everybody else uh, takes the oath. Neither me nor Nomad have a vote. But the first thing I would do is I would put that on eBay. I would start taking bids, and whoever wants it can have it. How much do you think you could get for one bid? I don't know. You got to find the right like donors. Okay, <laughs> just tell them, hey, here's your chance. Uh, no, I don't. I don't think I would go through all that work. But okay. uh, I don't know how I would vote either. I mean, I, I, I like to uh, probably. I don't have a vote because I would like to just you know throw out all those rankings and yeah. say, or you know the the criteria for a Hodge, and just say to me if I'm a if I'm a media you know, sports writer, or mm-hmm. I'm looking for whatever is the best story. I want the coolest, you know, I want the Hodge to go to the person that would make for the coolest story, the most attention to wrestling. The whole point of these postseason awards are to draw attention to the sport, celebrate the sport, and all that stuff. And then you put these rigid criteria, and next thing you know, it goes, well, according to this, I got to do that, but I wanted to go to this guy. Huh? Yeah. Well, I mean, I think, I think that, philosophy. I think that the, I mean, I don't know, the, the argument that it should go to who brings the most attention to this sport is a little tough. I mean, like the Iowa fan base is very large compared to the Arizona state fan base. Right. So, mm-hmm. so in that, you know, in that scenario, if two guys are equal, then I think, you know, maybe the nod goes to Spencer Lee, but if or you I could say, Hey, these Iowa guys are already there for Spencer. Yeah. Let's shine some light on another guy. I'm if, not saying I would do that. If you had to, if you had to give your vote right now, who would you, who would you lean towards? If I was voting for somebody right now. Probably Zahid. I think he still has to be up there for this dominance and for moving up a weight class, all that stuff. I would give it to Zahid as well. And, and for me, it's it's his dominance combined with the schedule that he's had this year. Mm-hmm. Um, he's had guys yeah. that are ranked in the top eight, major decision over Trent Hydley, major decision over Lou Dupre, uh, tech fall over Sammy Colbray, who was, I think, fifth at the time. Um, yeah, the one kind of blemish is, uh, is, the, that, is the decision against Venz that he was literally holding on by fingertips onto mm-hmm. the shoe of yeah. Venz. Another thing you can't, you're not supposed to factor in, which is why um, Kyle Snyder never won. But, it, you know, winning an Olympic gold, winning a world championship, that kind of stuff doesn't matter. But to me, it's more impressive that Zahid can go out there and win all these international matches, you know, win um, the Matteo Bellicone while his season is going on. Yeah. Um, 
What uh, Spencer was in something recently. Senior nationals. Senior nationals, right? Duh. He ki- man, he killed everyone there. And and you know, so maybe does that answer the yeah. Zahid? So I mean, I, that shouldn't. It's not supposed to give him bonus points in the Hodge ranking, but that's kind of why those two stand out for me. They both bit. look like Hodge Trophy winners, and that's why this is such a prestigious award. So, I'm I'm curious to see how these seasons play out. Yep. All right. Hey, we got a live uh, match tonight too. Yes, we do. We have a duel going down, and what time will that one will that one get kicked off? It's going to be Utah Valley hosting. Where is it? Wednesday. It is mon- today. Today is Here we go. Monday. North Dakota State. Utah Valley hosting North Dakota State. Utah Valley's done a nice job of having some of these midweek duels. So we've uh, we've we've enjoyed um, yep. keeping and they our got eyes on those. The Orndorfs look healthy. Kimball Bastion's back in the lineup. He's a solid guy. He's definitely an old American Yeah, darn it. Threat. They've had some injuries this year. Darn it. So <laughs> I'm, Hopefully that one of them can lock up a boa constrictor <laughs> and get a victory. Uh, Taylor Lamont is wrestling good. So. I hope so. Ripping headlines. But, oh, North Dakota State's also wrestling awesome. Yes, they're uh, fun. Who did they just beat? I was looking at the result. It was uh, – North Dakota State just beat Northern Colorado yesterday. Yeah, and beat them, like, solidly. Mm-hmm. Like, uh, like has some really good wins there. Like, yep. Sakura yep. uh, wrestling good. So, yeah. Plenty of – give it, give it a watch. Why not? What are you doing? It's Monday. It's after the Super Bowl. We're yeah. in a, we're in a uh, otherwise a sports draft. We can watch college basketball. Get out of here. Yeah. So, it'll be fun. Uh, tune in for that. Stay tuned to Flow Wrestling all week. We have a lot of great stuff coming at you, and uh, thanks for tuning in. Bye.